morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time you're listening to this podcast, we thank you for listening. My name's Danny, and this is the Wrestling Newspaper FM podcast. Today, I'm joined by the biggest arms in Chester. It is Joe with us again, as Dan is still sunning himself up on the Canary Islands. Joe, how are you? I'll do it. I'm all right, Dan. Yeah, um, I don't know about the biggest, but <laughs> cheers for that introduction. Maybe not the biggest, possibly the second biggest, because didn't um, wasn't Warrior one of the gladiators from Chester? Um, I think he was from Warrington, but he was knocking some ah. bird up. Fair play, fair play. Okay, mate. Um, now a bit of uh, exciting news uh, this week. Um, not on the wrestling front, but from the football front. I believe uh, you've been spending like sailors on shore leave Chester FC, Chester FC, haven't you? <laughs> what do you mean? Well, I believe you've been there spending the big bucks, bringing in no, new players. No, we haven't spent anyone. We haven't, we haven't signed anyone yet. We were talking the other day. It was York City that have signed loads of players. Um, uh... Oh, no, we're still tight-fisted. <laughs> you've got waiting. to be, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, we haven't got any money to spend in the first place. <laughs> no, but we signed, we, we, we signed a lot of last year's players, so... Um, I think we just need three or four more, but um, and then we'll win the league next year. <laughs> fingers crossed for you, mate. Fingers crossed. Um, we have um, we have a message from across the Mediterranean Sea. Um, just before we went on air, our good friend Dan. Um, and you know, you know that Dan isn't anti WWE at all. Um, he just wants he, he just wants a better WWE, so that's why he criticises her. That's what he tells me. So he's just uh, he's just messaged me and he said, pass on a message to our listeners that people who don't like Will Ospreay because of what he says on Twitter need to get a grip the soft, wet dickheads. He didn't really say dickheads, but I'm uh, putting in <laughs> nicer world. Uh, also, tell them I said Seth Rollins is a poor man's Tai Chi. Um, so on that bombshell, we'll move on. We've thought this week was going to be maybe a little review of Fighter Fest and Best in the World, um, and maybe look towards an upcoming G1. Um, but I don't know, Joe. I think the amount of news that's been breaking this week, we've been uh, we've been a bit overwhelmed by um, by information, haven't we? Yeah, it's been a busy week. Um... I've never been on the phone so much, especially on Twitter. It's just constant, <laughs> one thing after another. Um, I've neglected uh, we'll, the family. But... <laughs> we'll, we'll, um, we'll, oh, and just while I'm on air as well, Dan has sent a... I don't know how, how true this is, but according to WWEshop.com, um, Seth Rollins has just released a Ignite the Will t-shirt and it's a black t-shirt with the sr symbol and it's it's also got the the burn it down on the back and it can i don't know well if if the you know what if the elf if that's true fair play to them for having a bit of a sense of humor there's money to be made um yeah fair play um Well, we, yeah. we may as well we may as well start with that then. Um, 
this week a uh, Twitter war was started um, after Seth Rollins. I think I think he's trying to make make sure that he positions himself as the new locker room leader. I think for many many years the Undertaker has been that, um, and obviously coming to the end of his career and you know John Cena not being there anymore. Seth Rollins has actually come out and defended WWE. Um, he put out a tweet, uh, a couple of tweets on the night of Stomping Ground, um, say, stating that this was the uh, the best wrestling in the world. Um, and he also used the word wrestling, which I think may have uh, may have stumbled him up a bit because I think it's he said the biggest sports entertainment company in the world. I don't think there's very um, there's very few that could argue with him, but the fact that he actually said the best uh, the best pro wrestling in the world, I think that's what's got people's goats got people's goats a little bit. What are your thoughts on the first of all the original outburst from Seth Rollins during the Stomping Grounds pay per view? What the best pro wrestling in the world period tweet? Um, I'm not got a problem with him tweeting that. I, I expect anyone who works for the company they work for to support it publicly and um yeah um i've not got a problem with him saying that um a lot of people do think wwe is the best pro wrestling in the world i mean they're wrong but it's um yeah i'm not got a problem with that tweet at all it's probably his reaction to will osprey obviously putting the same tweet out um and i Reply with, uh, yeah, that was it. Um, Seth Rollins is asking, is no one alive that matches his schedule and as good as he is? And Will Osprey was like, yeah, I'm alive. And it's his reaction to that, which I think has bitten, uh, you know, gotten people wound up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it says doubling down the best pro wrestling on the planet. See that cruiserweight triple threat. That's just one night, one match amongst many. Find anyone else alive who is who can do what I do as well as I do it. You you can't. Um, now, obviously, I think the initial thing is to is to uh, fire back at AEW. Um, doubling down is the first first couple of letters. And again, I don't blame him. I, I, he. he as I say, I think he needs to, he wants to and he needs to be positioning himself as a locker room leader. I get that. I've got no problem with anything that he says during that tweet. The doubling down seems a bit petty because I think we were always told if we listened to any of the documentaries on the Monday Night Wars or anything that was going on at the time, it says number one will never mention number two. And number two will always mention number one as many times as they can. And WWE and to a great degree WCW did try and they, 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 they near enough stuck by that exclusively during the Monday Night Wars. So it seems a bit strange to see the leader of the locker room, Seth Rollins, coming out and addressing AEW, which has had one show so far as yeah. the number one company. It seems like it's, uh, it's. I mean, I think we've seen a lot of things this week. I feel like they're preemptive strikes towards mm. the AEW TV deal. It starts in when does it start? November, is it? Um, yeah, October. 
Um, yeah, and it's just, it's just been. I, I don't think he's come off very well, Seth. Um, well, I, I, don't, I don't think that. To be honest with you, even with even with the slight at the uh, at, at AEW, I, I don't think that there's anything wrong with that tweet. Um, no, there's nothing wrong with there's nothing wrong with uh, having digs at AEW. Uh, I think, I mean, personally, the minute I like, oh, Seth, come on, mate, was when he started talking about his bank balance. That was the case. Yeah. Of like, oh, yeah. That's a That's, typical, you know, typical celebrity shit house chav kind of thing to yeah. do, isn't it? A chav um, who made a bit of money, you would say, ah, oh, well, I made my bank accounts. No, dude. Just anyway. So it it goes on, and um, cage side seats had put on a, a a gif of Donald Duck laughing, and it says, yeah. uh, "Remember when Seth Rollins said WWE are the best pro wrestling in the world?" and he, he's been goaded in and he's responded to it and this way it starts to fall down and again I will clarify that if he would have if he would have left that first tweet I don't think anyone would have paid that much attention to it the fact yeah. that during his main event there was people chanting AEW um, and well, CM Punk I mean it's a I don't think that's his fault either I think it's the placement of Baron Corbin but yeah. Yeah, don't put that tweet out when you're just about to have a main event with Baron Corbin. You know, do it when you do it when you wrestle. You know, you wrestled Seth Rollins a couple of months ago. Do it then. You know, uh, AJ Styles. Sorry. Um, you know, you're about to wrestle Baron Corbin. <laughs> I mean, you're not going to back your claim up, no, no matter no. how great a match they try and have. It's, you're only going to come off looking worse. So Seth Rollins has, has replied, "Sure, do dorks." And at that pay-per-view, I stand by it even more. The crew brought it tonight from top to bottom. All our effort from every person in the ring and out. And you're still talking and writing about it. So, again, I shouldn't have really... Dorks is fine. I'm not, I'm not really that worried about it. However, at, at this point, he's, he's just defending but defending his, his statements and defending the, uh, the, the accounts. And it was at that point that the Will Ospreay had replied, I'm alive, yeah. um, stating that he's done the same schedule and he's done the same, um, you know, the same amount of matches, if not more. Um, yeah, well, he's actually wrestled more matches than Seth Rollins this year. Um, yeah. So, is that argument dead? <laughs> and then <laughs> Baron Corbin replied saying, I've actually wrestled more matches than both of you. <laughs> And he doesn't know who Will Ospreay is. Yeah, and then Will Ospreay said, comes back and says, no wonder Raw sucks. Um, so, again, a little bit of lighting. And then here it is. Oh, I'm sorry, little guy. We have a better version of you here. And he's just won his first US title tonight. Congrats, Ricochet. Um, keep working hard, though, buddy. And, you know, I think it's quite it's well known. With, it's condescending. It was, it was an awful thing to say. Um, it just. But it, again, it, why bring Ricochet into it? Most yeah. people in the wrestling world know that Ricochet and Will Ospreay are quite good friends and have had a close relationship for many, many years. So why, why bring that in? Because it, it's it just feels like um, a childish gig, um, and he, he's losing the argument, and he has to bring someone else into it. That's what you know people tend to do. And 
Yeah, and again, Ricochet came off an average match on that pay-per-view. Um, and it's not going to back his argument after the month. Will Ospreay's just had, uh, it's probably cemented his place as the best wrestler in the world. Um, I think sometimes things are just best left alone, especially um, Seth Rollins. Should have just stuck by the original tweet and then just not bit. Yeah. And uh, there's a lot of people, there's a lot of people throwing shade at Seth Rollins. Um, you know, and what I think I put a tweet out over the weekend, um, or this week, sorry, saying, well, on Sunday night when I went to bed, I didn't expect to wake up or see to then two days later to see Seth Rollins acting like a twat. Um, <laughs> Will Will Osprey taking the model high ground on Twitter and evidence yeah. to have signed Andre Gomez for 22 million? And honestly, just on that last point, slightly aside, apparently West Ham had offered him 40, had offered 40 for him. And Tottenham had offered 45. So we need to name a stand after that Marcel Brands, our director of football. Uh, 22 million, great business. Anyway, getting back to the original point, out of all the people that was, if I, if you said to me on Sunday night, you're going to just, you're going, somebody from WWE is going to act the right cunt on Twitter. Who's it going to be? You could have given me 20, 25 guesses that they never got to Seth Rollins. Yeah, it, it, it was. Um, I think he's he's almost trying too hard to be the locker room leader. Yeah, but, maybe so. Does he deserve a little bit of um, like there's been a lot of people throwing shade as well. Um, whether it's Wade Keller, um, uh, fellow wrestlers from outside WWE, and Dave Meltzer, a lot of people throwing shade his way. Does he deserve a grace period? Because if he is acting in this locker room leader's role, it's going to be the first time anyone's done it in such a public way. So yeah, does he... You look at the previous locker room leader, was probably, you know, John Cena. Um, he's like, he's, you know, the, the model pro. And um, you never see him... Talk ill of any, even CM Punk after after all that's gone on with CM Punk and WWE. John Cena's always publicly spoken very highly of CM Punk, um, and he's a model professional, and you can still be a locker room leader without having to have childish sticks. Um, and I think Seth could really have taken a few leaves out of John Cena's book, in my opinion. You know, that and how to be a locker room leader. Yeah, I think. Um... John Cena is like, um, as you say, he's the model pro, isn't he? Um, He he spoke for the right causes. And even when the fans loved him and hated him, he'd still come out and he'd still say all the right things. Um, But it was under a different situation. If you were in the WWE at the moment, if you're in the WWE locker room, you'd probably feel like you were getting attacked from all sides at this current venture. John Cena never really had to deal with that. Um, do that. Do I think he would have acted in this way? No, I, I don't. I'll be honest with you. Um, however, from what the reports are, um, and as ever with wrestling media, you never know whether these are true or not. But most of the locker room seems to be behind Seth Rollins and what he's done. Um. Well, they're not going to disagree. Um. 
what in terms of saying that WWE is the best pro wrestling on the planet? Well, yeah, they're gonna. I they're think. Gonna I, him. I, I think they're just they're glad that somebody's speaking out for them. Um, but it's not a good so look. It, it's, it's not a good look, Joe. No, you're right. It's um, and I, I just I think it's just come off as petulant. Um, I mean, he's not even the best wrestler in the company. I mean, that's another discussion for another day, but. Yeah, well, he is. Very, um, I mean, he is very good. He's in the the top tier. Maybe, yeah, yeah. I'd say so, but I mean, it's um, yeah. It just comes across the whole thing's come across as petulant, and like you said, bad tweet will has ended up coming out like good tweet <laughs> will, and you know it's um, you know it's done wonders for him. So yeah, it's interesting. Um, well, but I think it's starting to die down a bit now, anyway. Yeah, thankfully. I say thankfully. I think we've reacted and it's been overblown in such a way because... Oh, definitely, yeah. This, this, I mean, this really hasn't happened for a, for a long while. If it's, I don't know whether it's ever happened, this kind of situation. I think not only is it, is it annoyed, uh, in, um, a lot of people agree with it, a lot of people don't agree with it, but it's got people talking about wrestling. Yeah, well, I think you've got fans who are desperate, desperate for the late 90s, you know, attitude era. And then you've got these, and now we've got AEW who are a legitimate threat in terms mm. of actually delivering a decent wrestling product. And we've got these staunch WWE and staunch AEW fans. And in the age of Twitter, everything gets overblown. And obviously, Seth Rollins being outspoken, you've got his loyal army of WWE fans behind him um, and then Will Ospreay almost representing everything but WWE and yeah it's just it's, it's Twitter, it's social media, you've got your staunch fans your, your stands as the cord and it's just yeah it's definitely overblown but it's, it's actually been nice as well just to have a bit of drama that's not serious it's just it's been petulant but yeah, it's, been, it's, it's, it's it's nobody's died or killed anyone. Yeah, um, yeah. it makes a difference, actually. So it's, I think it's been a good thing. I, I'll be honest with you. If I take the view, um, say if I'm if I'm a WWE fan, and, and that's you know, and there's plenty of them about you. I, I watch channels on YouTube, and they are WWE fans. They go to WrestleMania, they go to the pay per views, they have all the cups, the collectibles. They literally, their universe, pardon the pun, is WWE. Okay. If I'm one of these people, and there's plenty of them out there, and I'm not calling them, it's just their cup of tea, that's fine. I kind of feel glad that somebody's speaking up for me. Um, because if you go onto Twitter, if you go onto Facebook, any of the, the wrestling groups, a lot of the time, and... It goes on on both. It goes both sides as well. Don't get me wrong, but a lot of the time, non WWE fans, fans of India or international wrestling, can come over as quite elitist or snobby. Oh, definitely, yeah. I'm not saying that everyone does, um, but but if you do, so they've had to listen to to this for years, um, from whether it be New Japan fans, ROH fans, whoever it may be. They've had to listen to the fact that the wrestling that they like and they love and they're inside this little WWE bubble. And as I say, fair play to them. That's their bubble. I'm not I'm not calling it. I'm in my own bubble. We all are. But 
the fact that somebody spoke up for me after years of silence, after years of having to put up with this elitist, what they may conceive as elitist um, snob, wrestling snobbery. Somebody's actually stood up for me and said, well, you know what this company is, actually? Uh, we do it every day. We do it for 300 days a year, and this company is the best company in the world. It's my dream to work here. I'd be quite glad that somebody's standing up for me. All right, Seth Rollins is the man. Oh, well, the yeah. man's man. But, yeah, it's just... Um, it's, I mean, good on him, but I just think it, it didn't come up very well with his latest tweets. No. Um, no, I, and I, I, and I, I'm I, saying this is a neutral more than you know. I'm a guy who enjoys everything, so yeah. Um, it's just one, uh, you know. I, I got what he was tweeting, but as soon as he tweeted about his bank balance, he um, brought Ricochet into it. He just like, oh yeah. come on, mate! It's just like it's a head in hand type thing. So I think, yeah, I think that's that's the, that's, that's a go to response, isn't it? The bank balance one. That's one he can always he can always go to and talk about. Um, but as you said. It made it made him to the to the majority of us made him come up look at a bit of a cock. Um, so this has all gone on and it's all starting to die down. And then all of a sudden, um, out of nowhere, not Randy Orton but WWE announce they have got two new executive directors. Um, mm. Raw will be handled by Paul Heyman and SmackDown will be handled by Eric Bischoff. Now, just to clarify at the moment, there's absolutely nothing being said that they are going to be on-camera authority figures. These are legitimate roles uh, as executives to come in and deal with the presentation and the writing and direction of television. For those two, uh, for those two shows, obviously overseen by Vince McMahon. A lot of reports are saying that it's also going to be partially overseen by Stephanie McMahon as well. Um, we won't go into this much, but it's worth mentioning um, that apparently these roles were offered as far back as October to Paul Heyman. Um, not October, sorry. Yeah, it was October. Yeah. Uh, to Paul Heyman and Triple H um, for Raw and SmackDown. And Triple H has declined the decision because it means he'd have to do NXT and uh, SmackDown. So now they've looked to Eric Bischoff. Um, and the reason they say that Eric Bischoff is going to be doing SmackDown is because he's got the um, experience of dealing with network television whether it be for WCW or in it's Heavy and Bischoff uh, Productions, where I think he's done a couple of documentary series about bikers and a few other things that have done well with American TV. So with them moving to Fox, he can foster a relationship with the network. That's basically what's happened. Um, let's get your thoughts on, first of all, the timing of the announcement, Joe, if you don't mind. Um. Well, it's, I mean, being a cynic, it feels like um, they're tying down Heyman to prevent him from going to AEW, possibly. Um, I mean, I've got my opinion on Bischoff. I mean, he should have been, I mean, I, like I said earlier, I think people are pining for the 90s, and hiring Bischoff is nothing 
nothing more than um, hope, really, because I don't see... I mean, Heyman's worked for the company. He's got a knowledge of the current product. He's knowledgeable about the wrestling as a whole on the indies. Um, he's actually been in charge of creative before, which we when we had SmackDown 2002, 2004, and it was brilliant. Bischoff hadn't done any creative since the 90, uh, since WCW. He uh, did a bit in TNA, which was a disaster. So um, Bischoff seems... To be fair, he was doing that a long time, Vince Russo. He just, yeah, yeah, but Bischoff just seems like an out there appointment. Um, because if you listen to Bischoff's podcast, he seems out of touch with current wrestling. And I don't see what, other than being able to smooth the Fox network, which I feel like that's why he's been brought in. Um, but I, I don't get the Bischoff appointment. Heyman, I think, is spot on. Heyman's the guy who they've had under contract under their noses and they've not been utilising. Um, Bischoff, I think, you put, I mean, I don't know, but there's, there's going to be younger guys who are aware of what's going on in pro wrestling that could do a better job than Bischoff. And at the end of the day, still both handsome to Vince McMahon. It's still Vince McMahon that's going to, you know, have the final say on the product. Um, and it just feels like both of them have just been set up for four guys. Um, so when ne- the ratings do continue to plummet, that there'll be the four guy basically. Um, and I just don't. It's it's a strange. I mean, it's exciting in a way that, like I said, Heyman I think is a guy that. It should be utilising a lot more other than on screen. Um, Bischoff, I just don't get it. I just really don't get it. Well, I think you you are exactly right in what you're saying. The reason why the the reason why Eric Bischoff has been brought in, it's to it's a new relationship with a new network. Fox are already apparently not very happy about the viewing figures that have plummeted these last couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you've got somebody who is an experienced executive, many, many years of experience with that, as I say, not only from a wrestling point of view, but a television standpoint, I can completely understand the decision. Now, if you remember when when Eric Bischoff took over in WCW as an executive producer, he went in and basically controlled everything on the TV side of things apart from the wrestling. Yeah, he wasn't the booker, was he? That's, no. Yeah, that he, no. Wasn't, he wasn't the booker. And so I think, at, at least for the short term, I think that's what they'll we'll, we'll see. He'll have his writers that are assigned to him. He'll be dealing with everything that's, that people can see on TV. And then later, he may be able to say, well, I particularly want this kind of storyline involving these two people to be the main storyline and let the writers continue with everything on the undercard. It's a possibility. Now, when and you're right, when you listen to, to Eric Bischoff, he doesn't seem up on the current uh, product. However, I think what Conrad Thompson's done for him is he's dragged him back in to, to, um, to wrestling from the ground up. Um, you, you look at him when I saw him at WrestleCon and he was viewing a Rev Pro show. Um, he was looking, you could see him looking from 
sort of a, a, not a backstage position, but he was away from the fans, but you could see him, you know, staring at the, at the ring and was watching Aussie Open. Um, he, what you, we, we can't forget is that he's an intelligent man. He's and he's successful in his business endeavours. Um, and you can say all you want about his failed run at WCW. Um, the packages that he got and the severance and also the shares that he came away with from that made him a multi, multi, multi-millionaire. Um, this was enabled him and Jason Hervey to start their own production company. And every series that he's made has been a at least a relative success um, on American television. Um, so I think he's the perfect person to put in. Um, nobody else has... Well, he hasn't done anything involving pro wrestling. I mean, he's had successful TV series that he's executive produced, yeah. but not pro wrestling. And, it, you know, he had a run in TNA. Um, and what did he do? He brought back Hulk Hogan. Well, he, he didn't. He didn't bring back Hulk Hogan, did he? It was Hogan was signed, and by by TNA, and and as part of Hogan's conditions, he wanted Bischoff there. Um, I think I Bischoff mean, was too wrong, but I just I just think it's a it's a too out of left field appointment. Whereas Bish, uh, Heyman, hundred percent. No, but I just don't. I mean, if if what what I said before happens, I'd be quite happy with it. Where he's not taking full control, he's got a team of writers dealing with the um, with the storylines, um, and he's just looking after the TV side. Now I'll go back to you on Paul Heyman, who is one of my one of the the people I love to listen to most about wrestling. I love listening to him talk, whether it's as a performer or uh, you know uh, doing a doing a one man show or a shoot interview. Um, I love seeing it inside his mind. He's an absolute genius. But he can also be a fucking huge liability as well. Yeah, um, well he's not going to be running the company, is he? He's not going to be... It's just creative, which is where he's he's always been best. He, he, he is a creative genius. Um, and he's not going to be running the finances, so I don't think anyone has to worry about their checks bouncing. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I... You know, I mean, this is a guy who is... He was championing Will Osprey and Marty's girl years before, you know, people were aware of him. I remember um, when they signed they, on on uh, Gabe Sapolsky's behalf, Paul Heyman was giving them contracts. He, he, I think he's really in the loop. He's on the ball with what's going on in wrestling, not just in WWE, but outside WWE. Um, you know, he's a big fan of Becky Lynch. Um, so he's he's um he's in touch where Bischoff. I think it remains to be seen whether he is in you know he is aware of what's going on. When in WWE, never mind outside of WWE. Um, yeah, it's but like I said, ultimately still Vince McMahon in charge. <laughs> um, I think we've got the XFL in January, which is probably um why he's looking to hand more responsibility away um, but it's Vince McMahon you know he's controlling he doesn't like anyone to have any you know it happened with Bill Watts in the early 90s when he came in for the period um, and then he's resigned he's walking out after a few months you yeah. know it's still Vince McMahon's company it's still I mean it's probably no coincidence that Triple H 
I know he's got NXT and NXT is his baby, but um, you know, it's no coincidence that Triple H is probably thinking, you know what, I'm gonna sit back, I'll let someone else, you know, take the fall because that's what it's gonna be, I think, eventually. Because um TV ratings aren't gonna shoot up. It's just a different it's a different time. Um so it'll be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, it will do. Well, I've got to say, um, again, I, I do think both of these appointments that I've tried to play devil's advocate to whatever position you were taking, but I think this is hugely important and hugely um, positive for pro wrestling as a whole. I'm absolutely made up that WWE have made these big name announcements. I hope they work, and I hope that there's some changes that come in. Um, uh, for, for, because it just makes it interesting. And again, you found out you, you, we saw that it blew up on 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 social media. Um, again, I, there's people yeah, talking about wrestling for what 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 is going on now? Seven days uh, nonstop. Um, it's yeah, it's no. it's absolutely fantastic thing. Um, and fair play. You know, we've been criticised. Dan was getting criticised on Twitter today for us being anti WWE. And we we don't we don't want to be anti WWE. We need to. I think it's it's important for people to call out what's uh, bad that's going on, but also to compliment what's good. And we did that last week when we were talking about the documentaries and what have you. Um, but this is a very very good thing that WWE has done, and we're all talking about wrestling again. Uh, I mean, you, you're talking about like, like you said about the social media boys. I think that's it. I think that's probably what they were going for. Um, I mean, you're talking about important. I mean, when we look at, we watch WWE and then they bring back Goldberg and Undertaker and we're like, oh, why don't you just give, you know, we're saying like Samoa Joe or Ricochet, they should be at the top. And then it's not just the roster and the wrestlers. You've got guys in the company. I mean, you're going back to Bischoff and Heyman, and especially Bischoff, who's like, who's done nothing for 20 years in pro wrestling. Why not give a younger guy, um, I mean, the creative people out there it's like it's almost like when a football team makes a big name signing for the sake of it just to appease the supporters rather than what's right for the team I think what you're looking at Joe, you're, you're looking at this um, you're looking at this from a very very creative influence viewpoint although creative control, control of the writers will be one of the tasks this isn't going to be the be-all and end-all for the executive director's um, position. Um, this is going to be the television product as a whole. Um, the way it's shot, the format, and creatively, I, I would agree. You can point to people like Gabe Sapolsky and Hunter over at, uh, at ROH, and, and there's other people, and I understand that. But I don't think the creative aspect of this job is it's part of it certainly i don't think it's the overall yeah, well, it's creative isn't just storylines it's, it's what you see on the tv um and when it comes to that it's um done done's been the guy in wwe for 30 odd years and even he's out of touch now the way it's shot i mean the constant yeah. temper changes and it's, it's it's everything from top to bottom presentation is stale creative is stale um and you're bringing in I mean, I'm going to contradict myself because I've 
you know, a big duck Paul Heyman, but bringing in guys who've been in wrestling, you know, their peak was 25 years ago, um, 20, 25 years ago. And it's it just feels like, yeah, it's it's almost, um, I don't, it's almost safe, but then I, I think it's wrong as well. Um, uh, it's almost created buzz, which is what WWE probably see as more important than anything else. Um, and I mean, I wouldn't be opposed to seeing them on screen, to be honest, but um, as GMs, because that, uh, I'd rather they got rid of GMs full stop, but it's yeah. just, it's, uh, yeah, I just think it's, um, it's not, pro- it's not evolving, it's not progressing. There you go, there's two companies there that they pretty much own there, but yeah, um, <laughs> it, it's, it's a problem with WWE, it's just. They just go back to what they know instead of just, and I think that's been my disappointment at the end of the day. Like they just keep going back to what they know. They keep going back to the same people on screen, off screen, and sometimes I just want to see them think outside the box and really, mm-hmm. you know, take a chance on someone else. And you know, it might work. It's different because I think. Can I ask, can I ask you? Go on. Can I ask you a question on this? Um, we've uh, you talk about bringing younger guys in, and I think there's there's a difficulty of where you source those younger guys. Yeah. Um, you you know, and then if you are bringing in younger guys, the likelihood is they'll be bringing in younger guys from the WWE's already well already yeah. reviled writing team. Um, well, that's it. I mean, but you've got. A team of writers who, I mean, by all accounts, from writers who have been with the company have come up with decent ideas, but then by the time they get to Vince McMahon, it's been rewritten 12 times and it's com- completely opposite of what they had originally planned. And I think they've probably got writers under the nose who are probably capable of doing it. Um, I mean, I'm awful with names, but there was a guy who was in charge of creative in 99, 2000, 2001, who was, um, I think he's since passed away. Uh, his name escapes me, but he, he wasn't in wrestling. Um, and there are, you know, and I think that's what NXT's for. Um, you know, you, you get these writers in and you use them and let them be creative. But it's just, like I said, it's just WWE going back to the same well all the time, using the same people. And, you know, we, we moan about them bringing Goldberg back and Undertaker back and nearly killing himself. Why can't we moan about and bringing Bischoff and Heyman back because, especially Bischoff, I mean, will he have any other ideas other than two factions warring with each other, which is what seems to be his go-to um, big angle? He did it in WCW and TNA. So, uh, you know, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But I, I just think uh, maybe people are probably getting a bit too excited. I don't know. I, I'll be honest with you. I'm, I'm totally of the, com- the complete opinion. I will say that in TNA, that mo- 90%, from what we're led to believe, 90% of what you saw on TV week in and week out was not the doing of Eric Bischoff. It was doing the, uh, the doing of Vince Russo and Dutch Mantel. Um, from what I'm led to believe, obviously we don't know actually what went on or what, what, what's been said. But um, I think it's it's huge huge news for WWE. I think it's positive news. Um, I think they will both have a team of writers who are working for them, and they will play the role of filter. 
um, and somebody you know who can who can put that together, who can put things together and make them better of these ideas that writers have come to them with. But I've got to be honest with you. Again, it's newsworthy. It's people are talking about it, and it's I think it's it's good all round at the moment. But obviously, we can both be right or wrong going forward. Um, if you're Paul Heyman and you're yeah. taking over WWE Raw, I think it's certainly the more challenging role. Um, you you've got to look at a, at a at a show that's been really not not in the while while it may still get high ratings comparatively compared to other cable uh, US cable shows. The, the it's a three it's three hours a week. Um, you whether Paul Heyman or another creative genius is coming in, you've still got to field three hours of television. Yeah. How's um, how's it gonna? I mean. There's, there's been talk recently, hasn't there, about making the the third hour more or more extreme or PG fourteen or what, what, however you want to say it. Um, how does he how does he go ahead and uh, and fill this three hours? Uh, it, it, can you see a big change coming? Um, can you see small changes being coming in over the course of maybe the next I think year? Small changes coming in. Um, I don't think you're going to get wholesale changes because. Ultimately, it's Vince McMahon who decides who's at the top of the company. And I think with Raw at the minute, you've got three hours, but there's a a new policy now of not having any wrestling during ad breaks, which is, I, I can imagine that's an absolute nightmare to book because whereas, you know, what you'd have, you'd have is a high spot, go out the ring, and then Michael Cole shout, right, don't go away, we're going to be back after the break while the action's died down or, the, you know, the sleeper hold. But now there's an... Um, there's a policy of like no no wrestling during the ad break, so we've had like two out of three four matches and uh, elimination matches. Um, so I think we're going to get more wrestling. Uh, we're going to get longer matches probably, which I don't agree. I think we should have more shorter matches, but I think we'll end up going with longer matches. Um, but what influence will Paul Heyman have? I don't think you're going to see too much of a change. Um, I think I don't. I think people are hoping that the third hour is going to be PG fourteen hardcore, but I don't think that's ever going to happen. Um, yeah. um, and I think the only hope that we can have is that Paul Heyman will see guys who aren't perhaps being utilised as best as he could, like, like Ricochet, uh, Alistair Black, um, Rusev. Um, I mean. It'd be interesting to see if we have, we have a definitive brand split again. I know we have got one with the uh, wild card, but it almost feels like everything doesn't feel like a brand split. Um, so, I mean, I've always been in favour of a brand, a brand split. So, I think... If yeah, I, I'm, I'm the same. It, it gives it gives more guys a better chance to make it. Um, yeah. You know, you... Yeah, you look at remember they referred to them as the SmackDown Six. These were all guys that weren't getting, they hadn't been getting the push that the uh, they got before they were spotlighted exclusively on SmackDown. Um, with probably with the exception of um, Kurt Angle. Kurt Angle, that's what I was looking for. Um, yeah, possibly with the exception of Kurt Angle. So. Let's hope that it's a good thing. Uh, I want to go on to 
a before we go on to the G1 climax preview, I want to touch on another little bit of news here as well. Kenny Omega made a bit of a spat out of himself as well. Um, he's uh, he's come on Twitter as soon as um, we'll well we'll start with this. We have Fife the Fall in Jacksonville. Um, I think it's the 31st of August, if my brain serves me correct. Uh, 13th. And 13th, I do apologise, wrong way around. Um, <clears throat> and uh, Fife the Fallen, um, Jacksonville and Florida in general has had huge problems with gun crime. Um, the, this Fife the Fallen is a charity and community-driven initiative. Um, funds and a lot of time will be invested in charities and the people who help the people, the victims of gun violence, and also they make a preemptive approach to um, to stop it in the future. And this is a card that they've had on for a while, and suddenly WWE have announced that they will be putting on um, WWE Network live uh, evolves. Um, Evolves 10th anniversary show and they will be putting guys such as Matt Riddle, Akira Tozawa, uh, Drew Gulak and someone else who I can't remember Adam into Cole. the show. Who is it? Oh, Adam, Adam Cole, Adam baby. Cole. Um, into the show. Um, this has drawn the ire of a lot of wrestling fans. Um, I'll I'll, I'll, I'll Spare a moment to have my opinion on this. Um, but, I think I've probably got an opposite one to you today. But well, uh, Kenny Kenny Omega, um, as soon as this was announced, um, tweeted: "If lining your pockets with blood money is okay, then what's wrong with trying to undermine a charity show for victims of gun violence? I hear the healthy competition is supposed to be a good thing, and yet I can't help but feel like I'm going to be sick." And he then later, I think within half an hour, deleted that tweet and put out a, another tweet saying that I didn't realise this was going to cause the toxicity that it did and that and that, that he, this isn't something he wants to be involved with on Twitter. Um, so, first of all, we'll take the what WWE have supposedly done here with the um with the show and I, I want to get your views first and foremost because I think we might have similar views and I think when we get back next week or when he gets back Dan will do a full on fucking rant about it. But go on, what wh- what's your thoughts on the current situation? Well, thing is, um you've got to remember and I think people you know WWE have had a relationship with Evolve and Progress for a couple of years now. Um, and also, Evolve have probably had this, this is their 10th anniversary, so they've had this date planned in, in long in advance. Um, and there's always been rumors for months, years that eventually Progress and Evolve were going to be on the network. Um, yes. And yeah. let's not forget, Evolve is a feeder to NXT. Even in the last month or two, the Street Profits and Fabian Aitner have been Evolve champions. Um, so it's not come out of nowhere. Um, yeah. And it's, I mean, Fight for the Fallen is a free show. Evolve is 
pretty much free if you're a subscriber to the network. Um, so um, I honestly don't see this being that big of an issue. Um, and I, I'm certainly not going to shit on WWE for, you know, I think people are accusing them of doing this deliberately to take, I mean, maybe they are, but I think with this Evolve show, it's been, it's the 10th anniversary. It's been in the in the books for months in advance. Um, and if WWE are ever going to show an Evolve show live on the network, what, what's a better one to start with? A 10th anniversary show with arguably four of your bigger NXT 205 live guys. Yeah, I mean... I've got to I've got to be honest to a great degree. I agree with you. I think I think Evolve is um, if if WWE had done something like they'd done with because I know that got the the eye of a lot of fans in terms of the Cardiff show and the um, the Royal Quest show at the Copper Box. Um, yeah. And that let's not make no bones about this. Uh, and apparently. Tickets for the WWE events are selling quite well. Mm. WWE made a massive, massive fuck up here. Um, they believed that there was only one ticket seller and um, the, the tickets predictions that they got from this particular seller were all of them, but there wasn't. There was two ticket sellers who were acting on New Japan's behalf. They booked Cardiff on the same night and they've booked it when I believe there's a, a Welsh rugby game on, isn't it? Uh, yeah, against Ireland. Against, against against Ireland, so there's obviously going to be a lot of Irish coming over as well, and people are having trouble getting hotels. It was it was it was a bit of a silly move on WWE's part. I think this is completely different. Um, this is this is something where one show is taking place in Jacksonville, um, in Florida, and the other one is taking part in Philadelphia. Um, I think this only brings good for wrestling fans. There may be an angle we're not seeing on this, but as you say, it's one's on the WWE network, one's on free TV. We, where is the money being taken from from the the charity show? I can't see the angle where that money is being taken. They're not no. going to, it's not going to affect them in terms of advertisers. It's not going to affect them in terms of paying punters at the door. It's not going to affect them in terms of pay-per-view buys. So exactly. I don't understand where this uh, outrage has come from. Um, I mean, we can get, we can watch them both. It just depends which order you want, you know, you choose which one to watch live. Um, you know, it's not going to cost us anything to watch both. We've got that choice. Um, I'll be honest with you, I'm excited for both shows. Yeah, you know, I'm almost tempted to bring the telly down and watch them head to head. You know, like night show. <laughs> but it's, uh, you know, it's, it's. I think people people need to embrace it. I mean, I get if you're staunch AEW or staunch WWE, I'm neither. I mean, so I'm just gonna enjoy both shows. I'm gonna watch them both, and I'm sure you will as well. Um, but I think, like I said, I've said it twice now about this. People are. Desperate for this attitude here, and I think people are desperate for this narrative of AEW versus WWE. Um, yeah, and just enjoy it, and then just watch both. You know, I'll, I'll 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 probably end up watching the AEW show live. Um, 
I forget what's on the card, but I just feel that card appeals to me more. But um, I mean, I've watched a lot of Evolve shows, so I'm kind of excited at the fact that they're on the 10 year anniversary. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I think Evolve is one of those um, one of those promotions that doesn't get a lot of love from the um, from any <laughs> any kind of wrestling fans. Well, um, they don't they don't have a lot of presence. Um, the online, it's pretty much um, there's there's never any buzz about it. Um, no. it, it always had great wrestling, and you you just look at the guys who are in it, NXT you now. A lot of That's... them are comfortable, and it's um, yeah. I think the Riddle Gulak match. If you if you're a fan of Evolve, there's a massive history between those two. The catch points, isn't it? Catch and, point, um... yeah. So, um, I think if you're a fan of Evolve or a lapsed fan of Evolve or whatever. As I am, I'm actually quite excited to see that match on the well, network. It's same here. I mean, I I, I love the I love the catchpoint storyline. I, I love the people yeah. who were involved in that storyline, um, and I love the way it was presented. And then obviously with with um, Tim Thatcher winning the belts, um, winning both belts, and then giving one to um, Johnny Gargano, uh, the Dragon Gate belt. It was well thought out. And not over the top, good, good pro wrestling. It's the kind of stuff we like to watch. The main you like to watch, um, and you know I feel like it doesn't get much love from WWE fans. I don't think it gets much love from, um, you know, indie fans. I think there was always ROH, PWG um, well, always, in the old I mean, days. Yeah, it was always a hard product to find because yeah, true. Um, I think they had their own streaming service, which was a joke. I remember back in the early days. Was that the was that the, their own one or the Flow Slam one? They went. They had their own one, which was an absolute ball ache. And then there was the Flow Flow Slam, which was brilliant. It was, I got. It was. Um, I think it was about ten pound a month. And Flow Slam was a brilliant service and never had any issues with buffering, but. Um, they had issues. Flowslam had financial issues, so that disappeared. And now, um, Evolve have got WWN Live, um, which originally it was like ten, fifteen dollars per show. You could pay ten pounds for like a network type deal, but you never get the shows. But now, they they do actually do the shows. But it's just one of those promotions that always went under the radar. Um, like I said, there was always a lack of buzz. And if you, you know, and I always say to anyone who's a massive fan of Johnny Gargano, go and watch some old Evolve. He was brilliant on that. Um, so yeah, it's just, um, it's just been one of those promotions because it's, especially I think they, when they set it up because it was Gabe Sapolsky after he left Ring of Honor, um, and originally it was going to be Daniel uh, Daniel Bryan, and then it was David Richards. It just never ever really picked up any buzz, but it never helped itself as well at the same time. Because it's nice. always had poor distribution with DVDs and Blu-rays. I think, like, um, funnily enough, I was on the a merchandise website, and I think they've just released like Evolve '99 and 100, and like this one coming up is Evolve 131. So they're way That's behind on. Yeah, so it's just it'd be interesting because and the other argument uh, about for WWE is Extreme Rules is on the fourth tune, obviously on the Sunday. And WWE do like to have, like with NXT, the show on the Saturday. So 
Um, it's going to be a busy weekend because I think you've got G1 on both nights, Saturday and Sunday. Excuse evolve, me, yes. Evolve AEW on the Saturday and then you've got Extreme Rules on the Sunday as well. So, Yeah, I, I mean, I've got to be honest, Joe, I'm, I'm looking at our time here and I'm thinking, um, are, we, are we okay to still keep going? Because we've still got quite a few things to talk about. Yeah, mate, um, mate. Are you, you okay for time, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Good stuff. Right, okay. Well, on that, we want to go through uh, very quickly. I don't want to spend too much time on this. Um, you watched Stomping Ground? Yes, I did, yes. Um, give me your top three matches of the night. Um, I'll uh, tell you what, I'll, I'll, I'll no, start no, no, with this one. No, you know what my favourite match was? is the tag team match, and I slagged it off last week. Um, Which heavy one? Machinery. Heavy Machinery yes. and Daniel Bryan and Eric Rowan. I love that match. Um, I, th- I thought it was ve- very, very good. It was my, was my second favourite match of the night, I've got to be honest um, with you. And I've got to turn around and say, yes, we were probably both wrong on that one. Yeah. Um, and then Ricochet Joe was probably the match um, the match of the night. I think generally everyone will say that. Um, yeah. It was... Yeah, I enjoyed it. Um and it was great to see Ricochet win. Um, and then he asked me for three. Um, Becky and um, Lacey Evans opener. I, I actually enjoyed that. It was a lot of mat work, which probably slowed it down a bit. But compared, I don't. I don't think there's anything wrong with a lot of mat work. Um, it just missed out on my top three that one. To be honest with you, um, I agree with you. Match of the night. Um, Ricochet defeating Samoa Joe. Second match that I enjoyed the most was the Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn versus the New Day, and um, third um, was the um, was the what you call it match the uh, the 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 heavy machinery and Brian Rowan. Yeah, um, I, I enjoyed the Owens Sami Zayn match when they had the heat on Xavier. I really enjoyed that. I thought it was well done, <laughs> but then it kind of um, fell off a bit. Um, the cage match was awful. It was, you know, what? the cage match wasn't bad. It was just boring. It was just, uh, it was just, um, it just felt like too heavy. You know, you've got two guys who can go wrestling like heavyweights inside a cage, and it just, it just, I just found it a really boring match. Um, and it was, it was, it was the longest match of the night as well. Was it? It felt like it. it definitely felt like it. Yeah. Okay, mate. Now, this is going to be a bit show heavy, this one, because uh, you're a bit like me. You will dip in and out of of random promotions. If you hear somebody's had a good show or you've heard a particularly good match, I know um, I'll I'll dip in and out of all Japan. I'll dip in and out of Noah, um, British promotions as well. But this week, um, you've been watching um, OTT. Um, was it WrestleRama three? WrestleRama three. Um, it was. I think it was only a few days ago, but they, you know they're quite good to get it up fairly quickly on on their on demand. And yeah, it's um it's a promotion I don't follow really, other than the Davis Star, Jordan Devlin, Walter stuff. Yeah. Um, and that's that, that's the one that's grabbed me. Um, they've had some. Uh, I mean, I, I'm a bit of a geek. I've got a list of my favourite matches on my phone. Um, 
I always list any matches that I think are the best matches of the year. And I think so far this year, Star and Devlin have one at home for me. And Walter and Devlin have one at Scrapermania, which are probably two of the best matches you're going to see this year. Uh, yeah. I, I've seen, I think I've seen the one at home coming. Um, yeah. Was that, the, sorry, I'm, you know what my brain's like. Um, was that the one where they had the really good hair hype package before it? Every single one of them have, um, even this one as well. Um, this show was um, David Starr and Walter, and the guy, um, I forget his name, and I feel bad for forgetting his name because he deserves all the accolades. Like he's, he does these hype videos and they're phenomenal. They're almost like Hollywood, you know, the production values, the, you know, the. Well, I remember the when I first saw them, there was. Um... It, it, it was like people were saying, "This is this is the Rock Stone Cold WrestleMania 17." Yeah, um, they did Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson. Um, yeah, Mike. It was, I think the Davis. Um, Davis Star. Oh no, it might have been Walter. It was the Mike Tyson themed one, which was really good. And then there was a Walter Devlin one when he's running up the rocks. Um, this one was David Star in like a church. Um, honestly, if you if you don't want to watch OTT and pay, I mean it's only eight dollars. Just go on YouTube, go on there and just watch the hype videos because honestly yeah. they're the, the best things in wrestling at the minute. But I mean the good thing about most like I, I me and Dan went to a couple of Fight Club Pro shows and they they were okay. Um, I enjoyed them. Um, I, but the thing is with the their, their service, their, their streaming service, you can get it for four ninety nine a month. Now, yeah. if you want to, if you want to get something for four ninety nine a month and then cancel it, gives you the chance to taste a couple of their shows. Um, I don't think um, OTT. It's it's not even ten pounds a month, is it? It's about is it about seven quid? Eight dollars. Yeah, eight dollars. It's the same progress. I think all the uh, on I think pivot share all the pivot share ones are about seven eight dollars. Um, what I tend to do, I mean. So I don't know if I should feel bad for doing this, but I'll just like with all Japan and New Japan, um, in the quiet times of the year, I'll just subscribe for the month, and then I'll hammer that month, and then I won't watch it for another two or three months, and then I'll just subscribe four months later and then catch you up. And like I said, it's five six pound, um, and it's like the quality. I mean, this, uh, over the top wrestling. They've done some. The, the shows are fun as well. Um. I mean, yeah. the one I watched, WrestleRama, was a really fun show. So it's not just all about Star, Devlin and Walter. They have a really decent undercard as well. So if if you're at a loose end and you've got an extra six quid or whatever in your PayPal, give them a go, honestly. Um, you won't be disappointed. Definitely, definitely. Um, so I'm taking it the... The main the main attraction there, the, the best match was the um, Star versus Walter. Yeah, um, I, I put my star ratings into Grapple App, um, and that's the third give, one I've given. Back give a, a little uh, a little plug to our mate Benno. Yeah, well, it's not it's not him. It's um. Oh, He's doing the podcast for them. Yeah, it's a it's a lad called Gareth who's set up the um, app, and yeah. um, I'm obsessed with it. It's just yeah, you just record every match you watch. You just record, give you a star rating. And then it's like a big app and it, um, it you know, adds them all up together. And then you've got like a real good database where you can click your promotion. You can watch your um, 
and see, you know, and I just use it for myself, really. I, I find that uh, with that app, I pr- pretty much pay more attention to what's going on on the TV. But yeah, I, it's the first one I've given five stars to this year. So that's how much I love that match. That was um, Star and Walter. And it was the one that caused a bit of a buzz as well this week with the... Hang on, WWE that's the first thing. time you've given five stars? This year. Right. This year is the first time I've given five stars. I've had, I've gone, I've gone four point seven five on a few, but yeah, that was my first five star this year. Right. Okay. So I'm a bit of a geek. Don't worry about. It. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'll See, give I, 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 don't, I, I always, I always say to, to, to Dan, I said I, I can't, I, I, I fall out with this melter scale of six and seven stars. Yeah. Um, I mean, when, when this was created, the star system. Each star, and I can't remember what category, but it was meant to represent a particular category, whether that's crowd interaction, build up, match, um, how good the match was. And so we I, I don't know where he's getting the criteria for the other well, stars. Well, it was Jim Cornette and, and Norm else, Dewey. Yeah, and it was originally four stars. Um but then Jim Cornette sort of matched it to his better than four stars, so he gave it five stars. Um, and Dave Meltzer used that system. Um, the fact that he'd gone over five, I don't, I don't like the fact that he, give, you know, he called a match perfect and given it six point two five. And I'm like, well, surely perfect is seven. But um, you know, it's yeah. But I think with this app, it's it's for me. I've never been a star rating guy, but it's. I've kind of I find myself getting distracted when I'm watching a lot of wrestling. Um easily, especially with my phone. Um so with this app I'm able to I'm paying more attention and like putting my scores in. And it's also a good way of keeping a tally of what you've given and what and, and it's almost you can, you know, favourite your favourite matches and then you've got your own little list of matches to go back and say, Well, I enjoyed that match, I'm gonna you know, sometimes you don't know what to watch. So it, um I'm not saying, you know, I do understand why people don't like Dave Meltzer's star rating, but it's all, um, it's all opinions in it. It is, it's all subjective. Um, subjective. I, 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 like the, I like the way you're approaching it there with saying, well, actually, I, I, I really, I'm less distracted when I'm watching a match, when I'm, which is, I think that's a good thing. Um, the, the, the one thing that I will say is, did you see Dragon Lee versus uh, Will Ospreay or Shingo versus Will Ospreay? Yes. And you, uh, you didn't the, rate them at five stars? I No, um, I gave Shingo and Will Ospreay 4.75 because I had the results spoiled for me. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah, that does affect the live event feel, definitely feel like it, I should give it a five because it was a five-star match. Um, and if I had known the result beforehand, I would have given it a five. But yeah, um, that was, for me, it was like, uh, and I, I avoided with spoilers a whole tournament and the one spoiler I get was a final. <laughs> going off me and I was, I was so annoyed that they weren't getting the full five from me. But, Come on, yeah. name, name names who spoiled it for you. Me, I went on Twitter. I was an idiot. I went on Twitter. <laughs> I'm a dickhead. You know, it, it's no one's fault but my own. You know, it's, um, it's, fair play. So I'm phone. So yeah, it's my own fault. But yeah, um, 
yeah, so yeah, they, you know, I think Osprey. I don't think he's given many matches on the floor, and that uh, best of Super Juniors, he was phenomenal. But um, yeah, this OTP show, there was, um, I, I would check it out. There's probably four or five matches that are definitely worth your time, especially the main event. Um, Darby Allen's on it, if you know him from AEW. Bandido's on it, Horus. Um, Mark Askins. And then you've got, but they've got some good Irish talents out there, like Scotty Davis, uh, Terry Thatcher, Sean Guinness. Yeah. So it's definitely. A promotion worth checking out. Um, I, I haven't seen it. Sean Guinness, but I've, I've seen the rest, and they they, they are. I know. Um, TNT. I like Sean he, he, he's got he's got a good look, and um, I think someone I've seen someone say the cross between Sinead O'Connor and Jay White, but <laughs> but no, he's. I think they really, really enjoyable wrestler. But the um, Devlin and Sean Guinness match was. Just before the main event, and that probably paid the price for being placed yeah. just before the main event because I think the, the anticipation of the crowd, they were waiting for the main event. So it was it probably, um, and plus, I mean, it was, a, it was a formality. We all knew Jordan Devon was going to win anyway because the whole angle is they start chasing Jordan Devon for the title, which was why he had to face Walter. And, yeah. And that match, honestly, which is just brilliant. Um, I know it got a lot of buzz because Devlin, uh, David Starr stepped on the uh, UK title, but in in the match it was relative. It was it was a small moment of the match which turned the match on its head. So it was like you know it absolutely right, um, played a part in it, and it's not a bigger deal as people are making it out on social media. But um, yeah, definitely worth. I mean. Honestly, go and watch it. It's one of my favourite things of the year was um, David Starr getting Walton a, a pin with the referee on and only getting, a, you know, like the audience shouting one, two, and then kicking out with the referee down. And you don't see that in wrestling a lot. And it was like, um, what is it, a non-visible three count? Um, so he couldn't even get that, which, you know, usually you see um, when the referee's down, he's getting a visible, like uh, a non-visible, like eight or seven Count to show that mm. could have beat him even even David Starr with a referee knocked out couldn't even beat Walter, but the finish is amazing. It's definitely honestly I can't talk about this match enough. Um, just for the match alone, it's worth seven quid. But you can even you know get that and then watch Star Devlin, watch Walter Devlin if you haven't seen them. Um, yeah, honestly can't praise it enough. So definitely want to check out. And Zach Gibson's on there as well, getting teal heat, which is. <laughs> Always working money. So well. Yeah. 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 So, well, the two quick things I want to go mention before um, we go on to the G1 preview, um, and this is stuff that we've been talking about during the week. Um, you had sent over a um, a list of the top hundred most popular wrestlers in Japan. Um, a huge survey was taken part with. Um, and I'm just going to go through um, the, the, the top 10 at the moment, and then I'll go through maybe some uh, some standouts. Um, so we've got Hiroshi Tanahashi, Tetsuya Naito as one and two, and then in third place, Kazuchika Okada. Fourth place is Sonada. Um, Ibushi, Takahashi, um, Kurushio, Marafuji, uh, Kairi Sane and Kenta Miyahara. Um, now, 
obviously that's quite New Japan heavy, um, with the exceptions of Kurashio, who's a free agent, um, Kenta Miyahara, who's a um, all Japan contracted uh, wrestler now, and also Marafuji, who's obviously from Noah. Um, now I think the one that stood out to both of us um, was Sanada at number four. Um, am I right in saying that? Yeah, um, it's, I mean, I think Naito won it the last two years. Mm. So I think to some, Tanahashi winning might have been a surprise. But yeah, um, Sonada is probably, can we say he's officially one of the four pillars of New Japan? But he's, um, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's a popularity contest, isn't it, really? And he's super popular in Japan by the looks of it. So fair play. Uh, As I say, he's. he's... There's a lot more um, female fans who, who who attend New Japan. I don't know, maybe that's, maybe that's, that, that's wrong with me. The, the last couple of years, maybe the last three three to five years, there's been a lot more female fans in general, um, especially ones who feel comfortable to go to events on their own. But New Japan has always had a strong female following, and he's a good-looking boy. Um, every time I mention him, I always feel the need to say he needs to get rid of that fucking paradise lock. Um he can work, but he hasn't proven himself to us, to me yet, um, in, in my opinion. But I'm shocked to see him in the top five, I really am. Yeah, I mean, my personal favourite in my first personal favourite, well, I the best in the world, but he's uh, Kenton Miyahara. I think he's outstanding. Uh, I think he's brilliant. Uh, and and I'm, I'm actually happy that he's in the top ten, because, like you said, it's uh, New Japan heavy. Um, it, it is easy. He's coming at tenth, and it's. I mean, it shows Japanese wrestling can change so quickly. You know, you, you look back even te- what ten years ago, and me and you we, we, we were able to see the absolute best in Japanese wrestling, which at the time was Noah. Um, yeah. So the, the, there's huge swings, and then there's been times where all Japan have brought have outsold the Tokyo Dome, seventy thousand odd people. More than New Japan at, could, could get, more than Noah could. So, Kent Miyahara, I, I haven't seen as much matches as I'd like. Um, I think I, I can't remember whether it was me who was talking to you or you were talking to me about the Champions Carnival this year. And yeah. he, re- he really stood out. And um, I think other than, um, other than Jake Lee being Oriental, um, that that was Dan's big surprise on the whole thing, but <laughs> he 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 loved the fact um, he loved Miyahara. He loved that 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 he really got into it. Um, and I'll be honest with you, it's probably the last match I've seen of his. But I've seen him in the past, and yeah. it's one of them where you know you should follow up, but you never you never really get round to it. Um, so I, I don't know. Just on another another quick. Um, a quick side note here, just while I've been looking through the um looking through the the the, the, the top hundred Tai Chi is in twenty, um, which uh, I think will you know, Dan would love that because obviously um, you know, Seth Rollins is just a poor man's Tai Chi. Um Ask is in there and she's thirty five. Where would Ask will Osprey twenty two with you? I don't know, Will Osprey. Uh, will Will Osprey, yeah, twenty second. Yeah. Um, I think with yeah, Japan, that's quite a, 
national nationalistic, aren't they? They're quite um Yeah, and I'm fair probably, probably done uh, well together. Yeah, not only and Daisuke Sakamoto, uh forty six, who who's still working for Big Japan and it's been such a name over the the years. Um I think it's I think it's great. Uh, and these where, where did you find this list, Joe, just in case anyone wants to go and have a look at it? Um was it Tokyo Sports or something like that? Yeah, um uh, I can't remember the name of the magazine. I follow a load of random wrestling Japanese Twitter sites and I have to translate them all the time. But um <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, um if not I'll, I'll send it back to you and you can retweet it on the site. But yeah, it's, yeah. it's interesting because Giant Panthers in there as well. But yeah, um Yuji Okobayashi. Um yeah, I think it's it's Japanese wrestling is definitely worth checking out. Uh, and there's more to it than New Japan. Um, I think All Japan's got really good, especially the main events, which is just Kento Miyahara. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's a good list. Um, it'd be interesting to see what they do if they ever did it in the States. But... Yeah, well, the old PWI, wasn't it? But, um, <laughs> okay, um, the other... Uh... The other little bit of news, which I've just forgotten about. Oh, yeah, we've got to talk about this briefly. Um, again, we've been talking about it during the week, and it's um, some of the... Um, uh, uh, just as an aside, the best tweet of the week for me, um, after all this was going on, was the parody account Vince Mc, at Vince McMahon Googling um, uh, on Twitter, and the tweet was, what the fuck is an Osprey, and why is my champion fighting with him, and is he as good as Baron Corbin? Uh, I thought that was fantastic. But the, the way, some of the stranger news coming out is, Tommy Dreamer on his podcast and said, oh. at WrestleMania, I was going to hop the rail, and I was going to whack Paulie. Not whack him in the English sense, where you'd hit him over the head with like uh, an inflatable mallet, but actually kill him. Um in the back of right in the back of the head at the announce table, then I was gonna whack myself, uh, the ultimate martyr. I was gonna hit my pose, crack, boom, and then pull the trigger. Because I was that insane. Don't know if I would have gone through with it, but that's what I was thinking about every day leading up to it. I was like, I will go down in history, pop, boom. Now when he was going through this, basically he, he was he, he was saying it because he wants people who are suffering from mental health issues. Uh, he really felt this, um, and he wants to say to them, you know, this was how bad I felt. I really wanted to kill one of my closest people. I know I did have a tumultuous um, relationship, but, um, you know, you, things will get better. They'll be a better tomorrow. But fucking hell, he didn't hold back, did he? No. <laughs> he, he's insane. Um, I remember I went to see... Uh... A show with him last year, uh, well, imagine two years ago now, and he said um, he went to Paul Heyman with the idea of someone getting in the ring and shooting him in the leg. And Paul Heyman was like, Oh, yeah, we can, you know, it's a good idea. And then Tommy Dew was, No, no, seriously, I want to get shot in the leg. And Paul Heyman was like, uh, No, that's not a good idea. And Tommy Dew, <laughs> you know, the line is, You know, how bad an idea was it that even Paul Heyman said it was a bad idea in 1990s ECW? But yeah, that just showed up. I think he was just one of them who was um, hardcore wrestling who give anything, give his body to the 
to the industry and yeah, I mean fair play to coming out and admitting it, but yeah, WrestleMania seventeen would have been a different pay per view if that had happened. Yeah. Um the well mind you the song was my way, wasn't it? The theme song, so maybe. Um and thanks for right. the R in the mob, so there's your um there's your link. Oh, I, I think it was the Limp Biscuit version. I but, know, I know, I'm joking. Uh, fucking hell. Um, right, we go on to the G1, and we'll, we'll this is our last section because we have been withering on for quite some time now. Um, right, uh, as of I think it's next week, isn't it? Um, from to the sixth of July, I think the opening date is. It's um. The G1. The first night will be held in the American Airlines Center in Dallas, um, which I think Raw is emanating from this week as well, funnily enough. Um, and neither of them have sold any tickets at all. Um, but it is a huge arena. I think it's a 20,000 seat arena. Um, so we will, the shows will be, the final three holes will be held at the Nippon Budokan. Um, then we are going to look at. Um, final standings, uh, sorry, the final standings of Block A and Block B, or the original standings, should I say. Block A, I think we've got a clear two people who are in with a, a huge chance of winning this, and that's Lance Archer and Bad Luck Fale. Joe, in this two-horse race, which one of the two of them do you fancy? Um, actually, my pick was evil. Yeah, I was trying, I was being a bit funny. Um, Evil ain't winning. Um, no, <laughs> it's a strong group, isn't it? But um, I think Archer, Ballet, and Evil are probably going to be the jobs jobbers in that group. Um, the good thing, the good thing about New Japan with with with, um, with G ones is we say they're going to be the jobbers, but they will always get victories in these G one yeah. events. You know that's that's how they work it out. Um, so go through the group. It is Lance Archer. Um, the top three, Lance Archer, Evil, and Bad Luck Fale. Um, then Kota Ibushi, Kenta, Kazuchika Okada, Will Ospreay, Zack Sabre Jr., Sanada, and Tanahashi. So, the actual combinations of matches from this group, and I know we spoke about it a little bit last week, um, Ibushi versus Kenta, um, Okada versus Ospreay, um, you know, we look at a Tahana, a Tanahashi versus Akada, Will Ospreay versus Zack Sabre Jr. Oh, so much, so much good stuff and so many good matches to come. Um, it, it's re- Block A is really the the marquee, aren't they? The, the, the marquee wrestlers that are in to a to a great extent are in Block A. Um, there's that many different people. I think it's going to be hard to make a prediction on this one. But if I was pushed, I'd have to say that the Block A winner for me was going to be, <clears throat> excuse me, um, was was going to be Kazuchika Okada. Um, I don't know why. I think he's had such a strong year so far. I can see him going through. I, I don't know. It's it's a very hard one for me to pick. What what's your pick on the uh, the block A's? Um, yeah. Oh, I mean, obviously, I'd be gunning for Will Osprey to win it. I'd yeah. really wanting to win it. Uh, but yeah, I think I think Akada hasn't been in a 
G1 final since for about five years, maybe. After more. Um, but yeah, um, and plus, but it's, yeah, I, I can't see past those two. Um, I think you'll see Zack Sabre Jr. I mean, he's. I think he cut a promo saying that he just needs to beat a card. He doesn't need to win, win the G1. He just needs to beat a card to get his shot. Mm. Um, so, and then you've got. I don't think he'll get as many wins. Um, but, and it's the same. Like Tanahashi, I mean, you, you you're probably going to get. I wouldn't be surprised if you get a group where you get like a Carter, Tanahashi, Osprey, maybe. Zack Sabre Jr. Well, you've got a boot as well. Or finishing on like ten or twelve points, you know, come the last day. Um, yeah, such a tight group. But yeah, I, I can't see past the card or Osprey. Yeah. Okay, as uh, I'll be honest with you, I'm hoping for. I'd hope I'd love to see a card win both the big tournaments this year. Um, don't know whether it will come off. Um, but Block B, we. Which is actually quite an eclectic bit. <laughs> it's not as bad a group as, you know, when you first see that group, because you look at Block A and then you think, all right, then Block B, what have we got left? But then when you look at the names in that, it's actually quite, a, you know, it's not a bad group, actually. Well, um, to, be on, to be honest with you, more more of, for me, I look at Block A, and as I said, you have got to have your, your guys who are not going to do so well as well. But you look at Block A and you think they're the, um, the blue chippers, the uh, you know the, the the company guys the professional wrestlers I'm fucking out block B is your nasty bastards to a great degree Jeff Cobb Hiroki Goto Tomohiro Ishii John Moxley um, then you've got the likes of uh, Shingo Takagi and Toru <laughs> Toriyano as well um, but you, you know you <coughs> you've also got Jay White in there you've got Tetsuya Naito Juice Robinson it's a different group, and it's going to have loads of really good hard-hitting matches there. Well, you've got Shingo's just come off pretty much going through the best machine of juniors unbeaten. Um, and you've got Naito, who's chasing Akada. You've got Ishii, who's a tough bastard. And then you've got Goto. You know, you've got <laughs> Jay White, who seem to get behind. Um, you've got Moxley, who, you know, they've got to get behind him as well. And, um, yeah, just, I think... On paper, you look at it and think, well, there's one clear winner. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised, again, if you, like I said, to the other group, where you end up with like four or five people finishing on 10 points and it's going to be mm. closer than you think. Um, I'd love to see Jeff Cobb have a good run. Um, I hope he wins tonight when he, he's uh, muscling for the ROH title. I pray to God he wins that title. Yeah, um, I, w- I think me and Dan, we have completely different opinions on ROH. Um, but uh, we we both agree on the fact that um, Jeff Cobb could take the World Heavyweight title and take the company on his shoulders. Yeah, um, that's what I'm hoping. He, he goes into this as ROH, but and then I don't know what's going on with that relationship. But yeah, um, it'll just do good for the company whether he's got, yeah. you know in there as a champion with the belt or he's just you know they don't mention it. But yeah, um, you got Juice Robinson who I'm actually a big fan. Um, yeah, it's just it's it's gonna be a tighter group than I think I think I think you're right. This is gonna be a tight one and I've got to be honest with you, I'm I'm between um I'm between three here. Um 
I think my overall pick to win is Tetsu United mm-hmm. uh, to, to win the whole G1. Um, however, I think if you look at that, you've got Jay White, who's been heavyweight champion, been main eventing, and you've also got this run that Shingo's been on. Um, and so I think it's I think there's a top three there. Whereas the last group was a little bit different for me. It was Okada and Osprey for both of us. I think this is going to be a tough one. But, yeah, I think winning that one um, is going to be Tetsu Unito, Block B winner, and obviously um, winner of the whole G1. Yeah, well, I've gone for Osprey. Just, I think it's more optimism um, and hope. But, you know, I think... If this is half as good as the best Super Juniors that we just had, I think we're in for a real treat. So I'm yeah, looking forward definitely. to it. Um, There's going to be a lot of monsters. There's going to be a lot of wrestling going on this yeah. month and the next. Um, right, is there anything you want to add to the end, mate? Do you want to plug anything? Do you want any Twitters going on? Um, I, you know what? He said, I don't even know my Twitter handle off my heart. I don't even know my mobile number, so I never... <laughs> You've, you've got one of these weird ones with about three different Z's on the end, haven't yeah, you? Yeah, because um, there's already one, it's one E, then there's two E, then there's three E, so I put a fourth E on, there you go. Um, yeah, it's just Joe off um, uh, number the Joey Legend, the wrestler. And, yes, and, I remember, just uh, called me Joe. Yeah, yeah, so that was it, but there was already one. Well, if you, wanna, if you do want to... Yeah, if you do want to follow... I mean, it's uh, it's uh, it, we'll we'll be retweeting and Joe's being tagged and things anyway. So just have a look at on our uh, on our Facebook. I'm pretty sure it's four E's, but we'll uh, we'll double check. Um, so just to finish off, um, we've gone through everything as much as we can today. There's a load of wrestling coming up, an absolute load this weekend alone. You've got best in the world. You've got uh, fighter fest. You're going to have more WWE shows. You're going to have more New Japan shows. You've got the G1 Supercard. You've got the Showdown Down South, or whatever they call it in, uh, in Australia, New Japan. So, yeah, that um, Exactly, mate. You've got loads of independence going on. You've got international wrestling. You've got WWE. You've got NXT. Go and have a fantastic week. Go and watch some wrestling. For me, Danny, Joe, we'll catch you next time. Thank you. Oh,